Hello, this is the Black and Asian Therapist Network podcast. My name is Eugene Ellis. One of the big issues that Barton members feel passionate about is that in mainstream counselling and psychotherapy training, the experience that many students have who attempt to explore their experience of being black or Asian in Britain is re-traumatising rather than therapeutic, distressing rather than healing. This distress is also mirrored in the white students. It would be fair to say that the therapeutic profession as a whole does not know how to hold black or Asian people's therapeutic process. To fill this gap, Barton has organised training in what is called Black Issues. These trainings are to support students when and if they open up this can of worms in their training, to support qualified therapists who want to address this area with more ease in their work, and to support white and black trainers to more adequately hold the process and encourage dialogue in training around black issues. The trainings set up by Barton have been facilitated by Dr Aisha Mackenzie Mavinga, who has written a book called Black Issues in the Therapeutic Process. The term black issues in this context are words that describe something quite specific. Black is a political and sociological term identifying a group of people who have been most vulnerable to the oppression of white racism owing to differences in skin colour. Issues in this context refers to any concern, problem, dynamic, feeling or experience raised by black people, by themselves or by white people. Black issues is used as opposed to the focus on white issues that lie in Eurocentric theory, images and power structures. In this podcast, I'll be talking to two guests who are therapists, one who identifies as black and one who identifies as white. They have both gone through the black issues training and talk about their experience and how it has affected their work. I'll be talking to two other therapists who've done the Black Issues training in the next podcast, and then I'll be bringing together the main themes of all of the discussions. My guests will be talking about concepts like recognition trauma and the Black Empathic Approach, which I've not gone into in any great detail, but if you want to find out more about these ideas, I'll give you details at the end of the podcast. My first guest then is Celia Levy. Celia is the Counselling Services Manager at City Lit. Previously, she helped set up a diploma training which was for her a political commitment to train counsellors who were not like her, i.e. white and middle class. She talks openly about her process and her learning with regard to black issues, as well as she overcame the difficulties inherent in finding her voice in this area. I visited Celia in her counselling room at City Lit. Thank you, Celia, for uh, agreeing to be part of this podcast. I know that you've done the training in Black Issues, which Barton has organised, and you identify as white. I'd like to start off by asking you, what drew you to top up your training in this particular area? Okay. For me, I don't think I will ever do enough training in this area I don't think there's ever a point of completion and so I see any opportunities for training around diversity issues broadly but I think what really interested me particularly in this was its focus on the consequences of racism that for me is very foreground given I'm a white South African 
um, and grew up in mm. the, the horrendous years of apartheid South Africa. Right. And so that's why this training wasn't just about diversity, it was very specifically about black-white issues. Right. Um, and have you done training in that area before? Or yes, a okay. lot of it, okay. and a lot of you know personal research and reading and thinking. Right. Okay. My own therapy, you know, yeah, kind of yeah. exploring those sorts of issues. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When these issues are, are come up, and I know especially in training, describe their experience, which is normally one of either silence or. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a sense of uh, the environment not being safe enough, yeah. I guess, experienced by not just the black students, but the white yeah. students as well. Absolutely. So there's this tension between safety and exploration. During the course that you did with, mm-hmm. with Aisha, I mean, what was that like? I mean, the tension between. Safety. The safety and exploration, did you, yeah. was it apparent? I think so generally, although I think the particular group of people I was with seemed to be enormously courageous, and that's partly down to um, the way Asha made us a very safe environment to bring stuff. Right. But I think, I think on a personal level, the journey that I've been on in terms of um, dealing with my background, and I think... There was a point at which I suddenly, you know, moved from fear of being called racist mm. and the need to demonstrate, no, I'm not, yeah. to just accepting I was, was highly likely to be racist and that this was the past, I didn't ask for it, but there it is. And that, how, how did you get, how did you get there? Um, mm. I think I realised that my own fears were just getting in the way and it was just, a, you know, it's it's literally, I don't have too much insight in being able to recover that process, mm. but I know it was a kind of a decision. If I start from that point, mm. then I am free to explore. Mm. And so I think I bring a lot of safety with me mm. into this kind of training. It's okay. not a subject I feel afraid of, mm. although I have anxieties about what I might discover. Mm. But I'm less worried now about saying the wrong thing and all the kind of political correctness that we were kind of um, was drummed into us mm. here in this country in the 80s particularly yes yes um, and you know so once I kind of got past that that never felt satisfying but I think I just got to that sort of point of just deciding I'm a white person there is much that I didn't ask for in mm. my consciousness mm-hmm. and I suppose feeling some compassion for myself helps um, say so, well look this is something that's important to me it's something I want to address mm. and setting up the diploma training here was a mission and you know there was a, like a, a real kind of political commitment to train people who were not like me mm. and therefore I had to face the stuff Mm. that was going to come my way Mm. Um, whether it be anger, horror, you know, whatever Um, and that I better sort myself out um, as it were and just be there so that I can actually find language to communicate about this Well it's very courageous to put yourself in that space I mean how did the students communicate to you? Um, I I wouldn't say it's been an easy ride by any means, you know feeling fairly confident that we can look at issues and talk about them and so on you know denies the pain that other people feel Mm. and their anger if I've inadvertently done something excluding or used language that has 
bothered them. A lot of white students have accused me of favouring black students and overcompensating for my background. Right. Um, so I've had it whichever way. Yeah, yeah. You know, I haven't yeah. been good enough for black students. I haven't been good enough for white students. Right. But I've remained kind of doggedly determined, mm. at least on our training courses. This has absolutely been threaded through the curriculum mm. from talking about all the dead white men that we, whose books we read and, you know, and learn from right. right through. You know, if you don't say where this comes from, then how do we know if it's relevant mm. or applicable to this, the group of students in the group? So that's a conversation I delight in um, having with students and, you know, drawing people's ideas in the group. Yes, yes. You know, and one of the essays, the first assignment they ever write was about the adequacy of the person-centred approach to address issues when working with difference. And so, you know, we've kind of tried to face it mm. head on and mm. like, what else do you need to know mm. Mm. Um, in order to actually talk about it? And we've had fantastically diverse student groups. Yes, I was about to ask. And um, um, as a result, we live it. You know, yes. it's not a slot that we just do Yes. at some point or another in the course. Because that's uh, a lot of people's experience, isn't it? They do a day on diversity. I mean, it's part of the curriculum for yeah. us. So we have a term fully on, you know, working with all kinds of issues around diversity. Yeah. And But all the way through, I hope that dialogue is open. And, you know, students write a, a non-assessed assignment, but it's shared in the group on... Mm. Who are you? Mm-hmm. And looking at your cultural identity, so that straight away becomes part right. of the dialogue, and we encourage them to talk to their parents and grandparents to find out, mm. you know, where their values and mm. other kind of beliefs about life come from, mm. and then that just feeds into the group discussion. Yes, yes. And um, you know, so it's something that has mattered to me enormously. Yeah. 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 What made you decide to go on this training? And was there anything in particular that you discovered there, a uh, gem, or was it yeah. confirmation of what you knew? I mean, what, no, no, I right. mean, there was, it went way beyond confirming what I knew. Um, you know, for me, it was like one of the most exciting pieces of training I've done right. because of its context. I mean, you know, if I start by having to go to South London, even going down to, <laughs> to Deadford, to the Stephen Lawrence centre and I was getting outside my comfort zone right from the off and while that's scary it is also the most exciting place to be. I think you know the knowledge base that Aisha shared with us was fantastic Mm. and I take away huge gems. I think the vocabulary and concepts Mm. that she was able to to share with us those stand out for me as like being significant Mm. and, and really important. Um, and gave me a kind of, oh, so that's what it is. Mm. Things like recognition trauma. I kind of knew it. Yes. But just the word trauma changed something for me. Mm. You know, I used to sort of say to students, like, this presses on the same sore place. Yes. Again and again. But it didn't feel like I fully had it. Yes. But the word trauma made a difference that this is traumatic in the experience for students and they're supposedly in a safe place and yet it's not yes and people are being re-traumatized again and again and again so things like that gave me new vocabulary new concepts 
you know, mm. just even the notion of a black empathic approach. Why isn't empathy good enough? You know, mm. what's this about? What do I have to add to, you know, what I would see as, as empathy? And, you know, certainly in the person-centered approach, we talk about unconditional positive regard, which means accepting the person's right to be who they are mm. it's and having respect for their identity. Now, that feels important. But what does that mean when, when we're working across differences mm. and trying to connect? Does it matter whether I accept or not? Is that important? Mm. You know, who am I to do the accepting anyway? You know, the notion of, of the kind of level of awareness and the work we need to do mm. felt really important. Yes. Um, the sensitivity of it, you know, was quite a... You know, an inspiring education for me. Yeah. Cultural capital. You know, just terms like that. And yes. I sort of thought a whole lot of things went ding, ding, ding into place okay. for me. And was really exciting that. Yeah, yeah. Talking with the group as well about all those yeah. different things. That was the important bit, the dialogue too. Yeah, yeah. So things you kind of knew, perhaps felt in your body and yeah. had a sense of, suddenly became more real or crystallised and then you could use some words to organise it. And has that sort of translated into how you speak to the students and the group? So, and you know, like this last year I joined a diploma course in the second year um, because one tutor had left at the end of the first year and I'd already stopped doing diploma training so this was like calling me back into the work. So I wasn't there in the first first year when they specifically addressed diversity Mm. and we had on the course two very different black students and this was one of the first groups where there were so few black students and they were different from each other yes as well which created other sorts of issues as well in the group i felt sensitized to the kind of things that they were saying or not quite saying mm-hmm. and open things up for exploration. I doubt I was very successful, but I know at least the students had some time to articulate mm-hmm. and I was very happy to, to be supportive of, of them in that process, mm-hmm. even if the rest of the group didn't always meet them mm-hmm. where they wanted to be met mm-hmm. or understand them. Mm-hmm. So there was quite a lot of difficult stuff going on in the group but the bit I think I can say has you know was changed in in my practice was that people could acknowledge the racism that they'd experienced on the course Mm. I think that's another little gem that I got off the course which was I've always thought I am supporting a student when I tackle the the perpetrator of racism right and I forget the person who has endured it and yeah, been yeah. subjective to it and I think something that Aisha said along the way was don't forget that person mm. this time I think that change was changed in my practice I went back to that person mm. Mm. you know got a lot of anger from other students who thought that's only one half of the story right um, but vie, you know yeah although you've kind of you could see the dynamics in the room but not everyone could no. And I didn't want yeah. to lecture on it. I think yeah. it's experiential stuff. Yeah, yeah. And people have, I mean, I do have evidence later on from their final 
self-awareness reports that people were still thinking about the language that they use and being more live to the sensitivity required. Yes. And perhaps the frustration that we can't always meet across the divide. Mm -hmm. You know, it would be wonderful to think we could all dance happily off into the sunset. Mm -hmm. But sometimes those differences, there's too much else attached to them. So I'm not sort of idealistic, but I am hopeful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I am hopeful. Going back to what you said previously about wanting to create a course that mm. was very diverse, mm. and do you have a sort of a bigger vision around that? Well, Say a bit about that. First of all, I felt like, you know, we were in a college, we were getting a lot of funding, we could offer a course that was very accessible. So the vision was, I think, when uh, I first you know, set up the course with a colleague, was that we were going to train as diverse a group of people as unlike ourselves as as possible Mm. so that we would be sending people back out there who weren't just white middle-class women like myself Mm. and my colleague Mm -hmm. and that it was some way of changing the face of counseling Mm. not as a a sort of a profession that's limited to some white well-meaning women who Mm. had time to be nice to others Mm. um, as it were but to Mm. really be able to work I wanted our students also to qualify to work with anyone in this country not just to work in their own population groups I was the external examiner on a couple of courses and none of those students ever mentioned difference Mm. at all in any of the writing that they did and our students I mean now even when I read their case studies they will always talk about the differences in the relationship and how how they were addressed I wanted people to be unafraid of talking about difference Mm. Mm. I think if anything and I think to an extent we've we've achieved it sometimes Mm better than at other times mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I wanted that dialogue just to be open mm-hmm. something that's always there that will always be around that's, yes. that's really important as a part of human relating yes yes yeah I think and hope that from this kind of training you know say black and Asian people will be able to access counseling services that are not going to be discriminatory even if it's unintentional mm-hmm in some kind of a way that will be very inclusive and where people can bring some of what they've endured I guess Mm. and has been on the receiving end because I think you know you get past the problem scenario and behind that could be all sorts of other experiences which have been very degrading humiliating Mm -hmm. um, and where people have always felt slightly apologetic for who they are Mm -hmm. and you know so I guess that's been my kind of personal crusade is Mm. to to try to combat that. In the general therapeutic community what you're doing is is way outside the box what do you think the barriers are for the general therapeutic community to sort of take on board some of these ideas not just in the training but also in Mm -hmm. practice? I mean, I feel it's an essential part of training and Mm. courses like the one that I've just been on, I would love to see that as part of, you know, any kind of training course, not just stitched on Mm. as an add-on. The thing that I think would delight me most would be that we don't necessarily have to get outside people to come and do diversity on our courses, but the tutors feel trained and competent 
to mm. actually deal with it themselves. Yes. And yes. I think that way it has, this is part of being a counsellor. Yes. We're not going to just do diversity on Monday the 22nd of July. Mm, mm. Um, you know, it really does need that, even if there's support from outsiders, because it's good to hear other voices mm, while, mm. You're, while you're training. So I think there's an enormous amount of resistance, probably because people haven't done the work themselves. When you're having one-to-one -one therapy, really hard to deal with issues around diversity if you and your therapist are similar to each sure, other sure. on that score, yeah. unless you're on the receiving end, I guess, of something mm -hmm. that you might be bringing um, to therapy. But I think group work and having diverse groups of students is a real challenge for our profession. Yes. And, and unless you do, you only are going to be talking about it theoretically. So that seems to be the first thing, is get a diverse group of students together. Yes. And I think this country is also difficult because it's very monocultural, despite the diversity mm. um, here. You know, everybody's supposed to learn English. Mm -hmm. um, getting a, a passport or citizenship here, you have to have an exam on Britain. Mm -hmm. And mm. while I have a sympathy with that, there isn't really multiculturalism celebrated across society. Mm. In communities, maybe, but people are living that sort of schizoid existence yes. of being at home and then out in the white world really yes. or the white norm yes, yes. regardless of how diverse London is yes. and I think we need some good challenges um, to that and I think that's where you know trainers need to really really be do courses like this and feel more confident about uh, dealing with it I think Aisha has now been offering supervision she has been, yes. And having maybe a mentoring scheme for trainers mm -hmm. um, might be something that uh, Barton might want to 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 pick up because mm. I think just having confidence in having this kind of dialogue, the more we can speak about it, the more we can do about it. And I, d I do think, I mean, I know there needs also to be a place of safety, say for black people who've received huge amounts of racism but white people are part of that too in a yeah. sense because of the you know being perpetrators effectively mm. however intentionally or otherwise yeah the having the dialogue is the most healing part of it all mm. and i'd love to see more of that mm. and there's also a kind of um there's a lot of work leading up to the dialogue absolutely as well isn't yeah. there because yeah. of the training yeah um and the holding yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. That, that's, that's it, I think. Yeah, okay. Well, it's been really, really encouraging um, to hear the work that you're doing, you know, and the, and the passion and the energy that you're bringing to this work. Mm. Well, Celia, thank you very much for joining me in the podcast. Well, thank you for asking me as well. That was Celia Levy, who is the Counselling Services Manager at City Lit, talking about her commitment to anti-discriminatory practice. My second guest is Chris Black. Chris Black is Clinical Director at Kids Inspire, which is a registered children's charity that works with young people and their families across Essex. Chris is a psychotherapist with many years of training and experience. She is a black therapist and came to visit me at Barton to talk about her experience of her past therapy trainings and the impact on her of being on the black issues trainings. 
Thank you, Chris, for agreeing to be part of this podcast. You've done some specific training around black issues and you identify as a black woman yourself. What drew you to top up your training in this area? Um, well, as you know, Eugene, I've, um, I've trained on three psychotherapy trainings thus far in my life, and none of them actually dealt with some of the fundamental issues that are fundamental to me as a black person growing up in Britain, um, or to my clients either. So essentially, doing this training was part of CPD for me, but also fundamentally part of coming to an understanding myself of how some of these issues affect me as a psychotherapist and as a human being. So it was important, I think, for me to explore what's been left out of the three trainings that I've been part of. Okay, and so I mean, I mean, what were the things that were left out? I mean, what did you, what did um, you felt like you learned that was different from your regular training? Firstly, none of the trainings actually addressed the issues of race adequately, if at all. Mm-hmm. Two of them didn't address race at all, and two of those trainings were trainings about working with children. So it was important for me, I think, to find the words to explore or the, the means to explore some of those issues and how they might affect children, young people, myself, um, my clients. It's important to, to at least have that topic on the table and focus on it mm. because I think in all of the trainings that I've done, race has probably formed a minuscule part of the training it's been kind of alluded to maybe in a in a one hour workshop here or might have been alluded to on a what is the word I'm looking for or not alluded to at all right, I think okay. that's that's probably more like it actually <laughs> just not there there but yeah, not yeah. there so I've yeah. been there and not there and effectively what the training does is it allows you to focus on the issues that you know exist as a black person growing up in Britain and you know they exist in the dynamics between you and your clients and you know that they have existed on the training courses that you've been part of but effectively the focus it just allows a purer focus on on those issues and i think the second part of the training was particularly pertinent because it it actually addressed issues such as um mixed race i've never heard a a training course in psychotherapy dealing with issues such as shadism or issues Mm. around black identity or you know developmental issues in relation to black people that just doesn't happen it doesn't come Mm. out in the training that we've that I've done elsewhere. Yes. And if you raise it, you're seen as being someone who might be out there on a limb, actually. Yes, yes. If you think about it. So you talked about the work, um, finding the right words. Yeah. Um, somehow there's a, a silence that, and somehow yeah. the silence gets broken and you use words for the silence instead. Um, exactly. And that sounds important to you, that you kind of have that, it's actually quite powerful to put out there the different experiences that you've had and find that actually rather than silence, there mm. is either empathy or there's understanding or other people are willing to explore those issues with you. So mm-hmm. so are you saying that there's a, after the training, you felt that there was a greater ease in using language to talk about these issues? I think so. I think... Right. Um, 
a greater confidence around being able to think through issues such as ancestral baggage with not just black clients, but with white clients too, yes. who bring those issues to the therapeutic relationship. Yes, yes. Um, and to understand those concepts, not in abstract, but understand that those concepts, you've actually explored those concepts, you actually feel more fluent in terms mm. of being able to then address them yes. and not kind of fumble around and not feel at ease because they haven't been addressed in your therapy training. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is, there's something about a greater confidence that comes with doing the training in terms of being able to, yeah, just address those stereotypes, those archetypes, those issues that come up within the therapeutic relationship and feel that actually you've got some backup for that theoretically. Yes. Because I think that's what's missing. Yes, yes. And you might bring that to your training as a black person and attempt yes. to be the black expert within the training situation, but then yes. find that if your trainers haven't actually got that competence themselves, then they're not able to answer the questions that you've got. Nice. They're not able okay. to deal with or process those issues, mm-hmm. right? So I think what the training, what Aisha's training does, importantly, is it gives you the ability to look at, well, where has that been said before historically or therapeutically mm-hmm. or theoretically mm-hmm. and be able to bring that into awareness mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and to bring that into the relationships that you have therapeutically and otherwise in a way that's authentic because you've done the work. Yeah. You've thought it through. It's not just you thinking that at the end of the day, well, is this just me? Is this just the way I think? No, there's a body of theory out there that supports mm. what Aisha's training. The training you did before, we did a similar training. Yeah. And um, it's not just you and me, but also other people I've spoken to, and I'm sure other people you've spoken to, feel a sort of sense of danger um, yeah. if these issues are brought up in their normal training. Yeah. And there's always this um, dynamic between safety and exploration, whether you feel safe enough to explore or whether you don't. And the silence and the other things that go on sometimes when these issues are raised in a regular training yeah. mean that it's dangerous, it feels dangerous. Yeah, it does. But, I mean, You're breaking did, taboos, right? Yeah. And how did that work in the training you did around black issues? Was that different? Did you feel that sense of danger still? Or were you able to explore more? I mean, what was different about it? I think what's different for me about it is is number one the the agenda is clear we're we're there to discuss those issues right Mm. so the fear about raising it and then having it fall into this abyss in the center of the room that happens in group process or that happens in training courses in general that wasn't there right because essentially we're there to discuss those issues that are taboo yeah so for me it felt safe because Aisha knows exactly what she's doing with mm-hmm. those processes. Mm-hmm. It felt safe to have a black woman who's running those workshops, who can hold those issues, who can not allow what historically seems to have happened to black people on psychotherapy trainings to happen, i.e. someone speaks and then they're either shouted down or mm. their mm. their experience is denied. That doesn't happen because essentially the the work to do there is about 
those issues. Mm. So for both, I think, the black people and the white people who are training on those trainings, effectively, there isn't a need to hide. You're, mm. you're actually, the agenda is, let's talk about the stuff that we don't talk about. Mm. Mm. So in terms of safety, I felt absolutely safe. Mm. I wouldn't feel as safe exploring issues like mixed race issues or issues around... Um, skin colour or those sorts of issues mm. in a mixed group and I say mixed I mean mixed racially unless mm. someone was able to hold mm. what potentially is huge amounts of distress mm. not just mine but other people's mm. um, and I don't think that on many of the trainings that I've been on I've felt able to do that mm. I felt able to speak authentically about some of my experiences of racism for example mm. um, or the impact on that within a group process mm. um, or the impact of silence about these issues within a group process yes. so it's safe because effectively the person running it knows what they're doing mm. and has thought about those different dynamics and can bring some thinking to Absolutely. what's going on in the room yeah. that perhaps before feel, felt a bit uh, unclear, yeah. um, unsure, yeah. bring some clarity to what is actually happening in the room yeah. and that brings safety along with it. Someone who's yeah. who's steeped in those ideas and thinking about exactly. uh, these things and the fact that you're there to do this work. Exactly. That's yeah. It's a clear and specific agenda yeah. allows that work to be done yeah. and that doesn't happen as a rule, I mm. think, mm. almost. There's an unwritten rule yes. when you're on psychotherapy <laughs> training don't bring up difference. Yes, yes. I mean, and for to be able to bring up two main differences within that within that training, the differences around sexuality as well as the differences around race, for me, well, those opportunities don't come about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Aisha brings a lot of uh, different ideas and concepts and ways of thinking about um, the race dialogue. Absolutely. As do other trainings, I'm sure, yeah. who... Um, around this area I mean what did you get what did you feel that you took away in particular from the time that you spent with Aisha that's kind of a little nugget that for you you kind of you know you've used out in the world either in, in yourself in your in terms of your self-reflection or you've actually just used it um, for some group process or for some thinking I think it's difficult to say one thing okay. I think that for me, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a book chewer. I read and okay. read and read. Yeah. Um, and on most of the training that I've done thus far, the theory isn't there. I mean, right. what Aisha affords and what Aisha offers the world, I think, mm -hmm. is that the theory, the gap in the theory is there for me. Yes. That's filled in by her issue, mm. the, the, the issues that we discuss, it's filled in by the theory that she brings to that. Mm. I mean, effectively, that for me is the nugget. That's the core, that's mm. the core of the work. I can sit back against now a, a kind of the cushion of a, the training that she's brought right. because it allows me to think effectively mm. when something's happening in the therapy room rather than be overwhelmed by those issues it's almost as though I've got something to hold on to mm. in much the same way as I might hold on to theories about transference generally mm. or 
hold on to um, theories around attachment generally, mm. I can now, this is the, the, the bit of it that's been missing for me mm. in all of the work that I've done thus far as a therapist, right. all of the theory that I've read as a therapist, the yes buts, mm. are no longer <laughs> yes buts, mm. because mm. there is now a framework for me to think about race issues mm, mm. and that's the gold that Aisha has brought as a result of that training yeah yeah there is um, a, a group of people who are trying to get black issues into mainstream training but what do you think are the main what would you guess are the main issues and the main reasons why that's not happening and, or, or do you feel it would be of value I mean it sounds like you would feel it would be yeah. value in normal training Definitely it would be a value. Yeah. I think the issues are is that I think the main issue is denial, isn't it, really? Absolutely. The issue yeah. is denial that these issues have to be dealt with, denial that maybe the training courses that are training psychotherapists, adult, child, adolescent psychotherapists, the main issue is is that maybe if they were to incorporate these things, they'd have to, first of all, give up something. Mm-hmm. What they'd have to give up is their ignorance, that they, they actually don't know, mm. or they're not competent in the yeah. first place, uh-huh. that there is this gap in the first place. So there's something about that being one of the fundamental issues. Yes. That it's If you admit that you don't know something, mm. there may be fear around that, mm-hmm. there may be shame around that, mm. there may be, well, we don't know what we don't know. Because, mm. I mean, as a black woman, you know, one would think, well, you know about all this stuff. Yeah. Why wouldn't you be able to articulate it very well? But you're saying, well, you need training. Yeah. Even as a black person. Well, because they are articulating it. You're articulate you're not articulating just your experience. Yeah. You're articulating your experience within a context. Yeah. And you're articulating the experiences of um clients within a context, and the context is a therapeutic one. Mm. So at the end of the day, if you actually have no you know these things exist in the world because that's your experience. Mm. But you don't necessarily have that reflected in the theories of psychotherapy that are out mm, there. Mm. Therefore, it becomes not—it becomes just your experience. Right. You see what right. I mean? Yeah, so it yeah. doesn't become an experience that is mirrored mm. in any way. Right. So it becomes perhaps not important. And I think that's what's perpetuated by not having this as a fundamental, fundamentally included. Mm as part of psychotherapy training, that if we have to accept that the theory actually has gaps in it, yes, okay, we have to then fill those gaps somehow. Right. To fill those gaps somehow means that if you're a trainer at some high level training, that mm. you don't know everything. Mm. So there must be some shame attached to that. There mm. must be some, some feeling attached to that that means that at the end of the day, this stuff isn't, Mm. Is is not incorporated. Yes, yes, it's almost as though the things that are held up as being the, the the gold standard for psychotherapy training is Jung, Freud, all of those people who are now dead psychotherapists. Mm. Um, so to add a black woman's perspective mm. to that must be threatening because at mm. the end of the day, yeah, 
they don't know everything. Yes, yes. But you're also, what you're also saying is that anyone could pick these ideas up. Absolutely. They're not particularly, doesn't have to be a black therapist. No, you don't, be because the white, white people therapist. on the training yeah. pick, those, pick those concepts up pretty yeah, quickly. Yeah, and, and, and use them and work with them. And yes, yeah. and benefit from using and working with them and also benefit from doing training that looks at their their role in relation to all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Because even thinking about it in terms of supervising therapists a white supervisor who hasn't done this training is going to look at the dynamics of transference and counter-transference or the dynamics within the therapy room Mm. that's brought to them by their supervisees in a totally different way if they have no concept of black issues yes yes with a particular lens yeah Yeah. absolutely so how it's important not just at that micro level of Mm. the the therapist and the 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 client but at that next level up in terms of the the therapist taking those issues to Mm. supervision Mm. and then at that other level if that becomes part and parcel and woven into the training that is out there Mm. trainers could benefit from thinking about these issues in this way and probably trainers are benefiting from that if they allow themselves to to open the doors and to and to to take some of this stuff on, mm. they will. They can't not benefit from it. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it gives them an enhanced understanding of human being, and that's what we're about, isn't it? As psychotherapists, it is. understanding, understanding humanness in all its different forms. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you, Chris, for no being part of this podcast. Thank you, Eugene. That was Chris Black, who is clinical director at Kids Inspire, talking about her experience of being on the Black Issues training and how it filled important gaps in theory, which has allowed her to think effectively when black issues are raised, rather than be overwhelmed. If you want to know more about the Black and Asian Therapist Network, you can visit the website www.baatn.org.uk. If you want to find out more about some of the concepts that were referred to by our guests, you can go to the articles page on the website and look for the articles by Dr. Aisha Mackenzie Mavinga. If you'd like to comment about this or any of the other podcasts, you can do so on the podcast page or you can email me at eugene at baatn.org.uk. I hope you can join me for the next podcast where I'll be talking to two other therapists sharing their experience of training in black issues. But until then, goodbye.